support local industry. Go buy $300 worth of marijuana. Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. How's everybody doing? It is January 13th. Happy New Year. I wasn't here last week, so I'm allowed to say that still. What's the uh, statute of limitations, Will, for saying Happy New Year? Well, is it I, the second week of January? Yeah, I, I mean, it goes I, longer because you got to remember Chinese New Year hasn't happened yet. That's I fair. celebrated Christmas with my family, my partner's family, and my friends last weekend. So this weekend actually is uh, January 1st in my brain. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Like Christmas trees and everything? My family's. Oh, yeah. No, actually, my family and Maddie's family both had their trees still up. And then for my friends, we I, I brought like a little tree. I got it uh, a Target on clearance for like 12 bucks and put some lights on it. And that was our tree that all our Secret Santa gifts went under. That's adorable. It was, we, I, mean, I tried, you know. You all did have a very hard Christmas. So that makes sense. Yeah. I'm glad was, you're okay. Yeah, me too. We We managed. It was nice to like those were originally supposed to be like the order of like, I would go to, to Maddie's house and then, uh, and then my parents' house and then, uh, my friend's house. And like, we did it in that order. It was just two weeks later and a little bit condensed. So, and all the ice is melted now, or at least is it still there? Oh yeah. No, no. The snow, snow melted before actual new year's. Oh yeah. There was that massive rainstorm. Mm-hmm. We had it yeah, for like five days in a row. It was like 40 to 50 degrees outside. In fact, like today is the first time it has snowed since that storm. And we have like an inch on the ground right now. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be in Florida next week. <laughs> Maddie's and, in uh, Florida right now. That'll be fun. Uh, enjoying uh, what? actually it rained today. What part of Florida? <clears throat> I'll be in Miami. Da- well, it's four hours. Is it really that go. far? I think it is. Florida's big. You always forget how big it is. Yeah, I'm flying into Fort Lauderdale. And then going into Miami. So if anybody has any suggestions for what to do in Miami, I have like one free afternoon. I was going to um, say skip Miami and just come see me and I'll drag you <laughs> to uh, I'll, I'll drag you to an art festival at Epcot. That might be fun. I was about to say, wow, an art festival like that's so unlike all right. I would have assumed it was <laughs> Disney World and then the sentence finished and I was yeah. like, ah. There it yeah, is. Yeah, the She's International com- Festival to of combine. the Arts started today, and it's going to be a big weekend for me shopping-wise. You know what? I knew that because Maddie's there right now, and she told me that that was starting on Friday. So Greatest uh, place I've on heard Earth, that baby. the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride is fantastic. I, I wouldn't know. I'm here. I don't get to go on it nearly often enough, and I have to take Dream. I'm, I'm getting better at it, but I still have to take Dream, I mean, when I do. But we should get away from partially sickening roller coasters and back to the tech world, I think. Sure. Otherwise, I what will is, just sit here and gush. What does drama mean? I've heard that it's before. It's the motion sickness. It's motion, uh, motion, motion sickness yeah. medicine. Okay. And I, I believe it's also a pretty good Modest Mouse song. So look that up. True. <laughs> I like that song. I'm listening to a book right now all about the human body. And the cool part about how basically liquid inside your ears is what's keeping you balanced. And that liquid basically hardens over time, which is why old people have harder times staying stable when they walk is fascinating to me that's wild (laughs) over time you're like the the it's like the liquid in your brain in your in your ears that sends signals to your brain about balancing that's sloshing around literally gets harder and 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 is not as pliable or whatever and that's why you fall over more is just like incredible just an incredible piece of information that i learned 
Um, anyway, let's talk phones and stuff. Do we have to? Not really, but I think that's what people pay us for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the non-existent advertisers on this podcast. I was going to say, we get paid for this pod? <laughs> well, technically, I mean, it's part of our employment agreements, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Sure, why not? All right, Android 13 QPR2 Beta 2, the worst name of all Android versions. I don't know when what you're the, talking about. When the QPR version aligns with the beta version and nobody knows what you're saying because there's already a QPR1 out there, but it's QPR2 Beta 2, will not a huge number of changes, but no. we're slowly inching towards that stable release that'll likely be available in March. Yep. What is in this release? Some bug fixes, mainly. It sounds like that weird Bluetooth car thing we talked about is not active on beta 2. So if you're if you're really frustrated with the January security patch right now, maybe just jump up to the, the beta. The big thing, I guess, to me at least, is this. It's not active yet, but the ability for you to uh, force icons to theme on Pixel devices that are using Material U. Force Moto Icon, baby. Yeah, this is what people have wanted for a year and a half. I'm just glad that Google is taking it's like it's it's doing to icons what it did to RSCS, which is like you guys are all too slow, you're not doing your jobs, not that we're forcing you to, but we're just going to do it ourselves. This is exactly what Google does every yep. time. They're like, "Hey devs, you want you you want to do stuff?" and devs are like, "Nope." So Google just lets them do nothing and does it themselves, and it's usually better. So I don't know why they didn't just do this from the beginning, but well, I will Google say Google. in the coverage on the site, we have a, a um, an example shot from the Google News Telegram channel, and, and it's not great. Like, it's not perfect. Like some of these icons, there's a lot of gray in them compared to if the dev actually put effort into it and, and added support. But it is better than nothing. And I would honestly say that, like, compared to. I had to like change my home screen on my pixel because like there were two icons on my main home screen that were not themed and it was driving me insane. And so I was like, they're just going to the second page and I'm putting two new icons here that are actually themed. Like if this is what has to be done for me to like put my homepage back how I want it. Sure. Great. Awesome. And hopefully if devs don't like how their uh, icons look when they're forced, they'll actually make the effort to just add actual support. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it, comes down to is that you just want consistency on your home screens yeah right now if i were to turn on themed icons on my pixel i'd have like 13 of the 16 icons with a proper material you themed icon and then three of them like twitter would not be one of them do you have it off then i have it off because i can't stand it it makes me want to cry every time i turn on my phone so i i don't want to do that these are the two paths, though. You can do what I did, which is just rearrange your smartphone to like try to, you know, make do, or you can do what you did, which is just not use the feature, and that's it. Those are the right, two paths. Exactly. Yeah. So this will hopefully make it a little bit easier to turn it on. We'll see how it works. It might just be worse, but we'll wait and see. So once that's, you know, that's basically the big ticket item, even though it's not even technically available. Uh, the other thing, new emojis always fun. Those will roll out in earnest. 31 new emojis. We got a moose, Mm -hmm. finally, for us Canadians, and a goose. I wonder if it's a Canadian goose. What's the difference? Is it just meaner than all the rest of them? I mean, geese are pretty mean (laughs) everywhere, but Canadian geese are especially cruel. Yeah, I don't know. That's fair. I don't know the other geese types. 
I also I'm don't. only familiar with my Canadian geese. There's a ginger root, a jellyfish, and a black heart uh, for all of us sad people. I was going to say, winter. for when you're like, I got my chem tickets, black heart. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I actually know what you mean by that. You know, I'm, I'm trying. I went to an emo night the night before Thanksgiving, a DJ to emo night in Buffalo. It was fun. It was a good time. Oh, man. Those were, those were the days. <laughs> we were, okay, I won't bring it up now because we might talk about it at the end. Sure. But uh, let's talk one non-QPR2 related leak that we saw. You might soon be able to transfer eSIM profiles from an old Android phone to a new one without your carrier's input. So basically, Google is adding the hooks to override the carrier limitations in some form when you have an eSIM on your Android phone. Will, what do we know about this and how might it work in actual usage? Yeah, I just, eSIM is so frustrating to me right now. And I don't know, because I one of my devices is, is an iPhone 14, I had to like start using, like I had to like make one of my SIM cards an eSIM. And it's just so annoying that like, if I wanted to move that SIM back to an Android device, it would be like a hassle. So basically like Apple makes it really simple between iPhone devices running iOS 16. I, I said iPhone devices, iPhones running iOS 16. On the Android side, it kind of depends on your carrier of like how easy or difficult it is. You have to like, you might have to like go to their website and like go through support. It, it's like a headache. You'd be able to either convert a SIM card, like a physical SIM card into an eSIM profile or just transfer one without having to jump through these hoops. Google would have to like add this to Android essentially, which is why it's difficult. It's not like native to eSIM, which is stupid, but that's what it is. So it would have to essentially be added to either AOSP or through Pixel devices in general, but hopefully hopefully through AOSP just to make it standard on all like modern Android phones, but that's basically where we are, is that Google is is trying to clean up uh, a messy eSIM situation. Yeah, it's interesting. Number portability was legislated into existence, right? Companies did not want to make it easy for you to move your phone number from one carrier to another when you left them. There were often fees associated with it. They would often hold onto your phone number, or they would just say, like, no, we're going to put it back into our system. That changed when it was regulated. Now we're sort of in this weird position where eSIM is becoming, is, is proliferating and will eventually become the norm, but it's nowhere close to being the norm yet because it's only on one version of one phone, which is the iPhone. Android phones support eSIM, but it's certainly not required. And as you said, transferring your eSIM profile from one phone to the other is not part of the specification. So carriers had to essentially build their own systems to do it. And they settled on these awful QR codes that never work the way you want them to and make it very difficult to port your eSIM from one phone to another without having to get your carrier involved. Carriers, once again, love it because they are now in control again. Before it was, you pop your SIM card out, you put it in another phone, the phone handshakes with the SIM card, it establishes a connection to the network, and you're fine. Now we're back at the point where carriers have more control. And I feel like until they're regulated and forced to do it again, they're really not going to make your lives any easier. But it's so, two layers. So 
I have been a Verizon customer. That's been my main phone number since I was 12. That like my family. So at least three years. At least, <laughs> at least I cannot wait to get my driver's license next year. I'm so <laughs> excited. For more than half my life, I've been a Verizon customer, right? My first phone was a Razer V3M. I was CDMA for several, like, right? Like it, was, it wasn't until 4G that like I even had a SIM card. So I am very familiar with how frustrating it is to like basically be locked to whatever carrier process you need to like go through, depending on who you pay each month for your phone bill. My issue with eSIM is not even that like it essentially brings this back unless there's like you're saying there's some sort of regulation, but it adds the second layer of also manufacturers can and specifically Apple and Android, the difference between those iOS and Android platforms. Apple wants it to be really easy for you to jump from an iPhone 14 to an iPhone 15 when they launch in the fall, right? They have no interest in making it easy for you to jump from an iPhone 14 to a, an S23 Ultra. And so, like, their insistence on going eSIM only specifically in the U.S. Uh, or North America, I don't remember, is, like, completely frustrating because now it's two layers. It's never going to be easy again. It's never going to be as easy as popping a card from one phone to another again, ever. I don't think I, I don't think that's I, I mean, you, I hope you're wrong is, is I guess what you, you can't say like. The issue is like, if it wasn't the US, I'd be like, maybe there will be regulation someday, but it is the US and I have no faith in the government to step in and be like, actually, you have to be able to switch easily between Apple and Samsung. I don't trust that process. And that is the only process that would make it easy to do that. So I think I think the process that would make it easy is when inevitably Samsung moves to eSIM only as it likely will in the next couple of years. Apple will want to capture as many of those converters as possible. So they will have some sort of a system to, along with all of your other information, transfer your your eSIM, right? It'll be the part of like the move to iOS app or whatever it might be, which means Apple would likely need to negotiate that handoff with the carriers, if only because they will, having to force somebody to be like, when you buy an iPhone, come to the Apple store and we'll set it up for you. And then like, they'll call your carrier on your behalf. Probably not. They'll probably want to make it automated so that you install the move to iOS app on your Android phone. And along with your eSIM profile, it moves your photos and your SMS and all the other stuff that it moves over. But there will, you're right, probably never be a universal layer to make it just super simple to move from like Verizon to T-Mobile or whatever, or like transfer your, you know, your phone number easily using eSIM. Like that's probably never going to happen. And that was the dream, at least in the past, was like, you'll be able to do anything you want because the carriers won't be in charge anymore. And well, and we most, we kind of have, I mean, like, I don't know. I just think that physical SIM cards made that as much of a reality as it possibly could be. And, and we are stepping like way back because not even because consumers want to switch to eSIM. I don't think anyone actually cares about whether it's a, it's a physical card or not. The move to eSIM just feels like it's all about control and, and companies wrestling for control. It also means that you're never going to be able to transfer phones by yourself ever again. Like if I'm out in the middle of nowhere and my phone breaks, but I have a spare phone, I'm not going to be able to move an eSIM from one phone to the other because something has to be done in a database somewhere. 
Whereas if it's a physical phone, I can just take the SIM out, pop it in the new phone, and it'll work so long as it's an unlocked phone. And I understand that this is something that most people have to deal with once every three to five years. And most people are already in 2023 locked into their ecosystems and they don't care what Samsung or Apple puts out on either side. They're already dedicated to a company. I understand that I am complaining about this from the niche viewpoint of person who reviews phones. But like I already I, I, I switched devices this week. I don't even know if I can say what device I switched to, but I switched to a device this week from my Pixel 7 and it took three seconds because it's a physical SIM card <laughs> and like I just had to pop it in from one device to the other. And like the idea that in two years I'm going to have to like call Verizon or T-Mobile, depending on which SIM card I'm changing, is like headache inducing. Right. But there's the other part of it too, which is it's less about the physical layer mm -hmm. of differentiating between like a physical SIM and an eSIM than it is about 5G, right? So if you have a physical SIM card that gives you 5G access on one phone, but the other phone is not certified to work on your carrier's 5G network, it's not going to get 5G. The beauty of the period that we were in between 2011 and 2020, 2021, you know, before 5G was, was mainstream, was that there were few roadblocks to you activating an unlocked phone on a carrier, right? Because the certification process was way less onerous. And now the carriers have started allow listing or conversely blocking phones that are not quality control certified for their networks. Before you would be able to access the network, it just wouldn't work great. Now Verizon, AT&T, they're just blocking completely access to their 5G network if the phone is not on their allow list. And that's two of the three big carriers in the US that are basically blocking access to phones wholesale. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the Nothing Phone 1 and how bringing that phone to the US is basically impossible today. But it speaks to the broader difficulties beyond eSIM that carriers are just trying to assert control again because AT&T tried to buy a media company, failed miserably, and now they're making up for it by charging you any possible fee they can for access to their network and making it really difficult to leave their well, network. Well, it's not that they tried to buy a media company. It's that a, they bought a media company and then realized what a money pit entertainment is if you don't know how to do it properly. Well, that's what I mean. Verizon did the same thing. I said they tried because they didn't do it. They bought it and it failed and they sold it. If only there had been a precedent of a telecommunications <laughs> company buying Warner Brothers and it going very poorly. If only they could have seen this coming. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, we're no longer in the golden age of network accessibility. And that is a problem. Or so, streaming. <laughs> streaming. Yeah, we're not in the golden age of streaming either. They're both oh, that's fast. fair. That's yeah. true as well. <laughs> That's true. The golden age of everything is over, folks, yep. is what we're saying. That's the theme of today's show. Um, all right. So eSIM's uh, bad. Falster 6, good. How's that for a transition? Uh, no, that's, that's not exactly true. I was going to say, that's upgrade. Good. Losing yeah. a bunch of functionality and watch faces. Eh. Not so good. Yeah, you're right. Ah. Okay, so Ara, walk us through this. The Scoggin Falster 6 is one of a few fossil devices that have been upgraded to Wear OS 3. 
I have one. It's a great, nice looking Wear OS watch with the worst puck charger ever made, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know, what man. That's is... a strong list it would have to crack. But yeah, for the Falster 6, because it's because moving from Wear OS 2 to Wear OS 3 is essentially completely wiping your watch and giving you a new system. So that means that you have to set things up again. It also means that a lot of the stuff you had on your previous watch straight up isn't available anymore. Like if you used Google Assistant on the Gen 6 previously, not available anymore. Skagen and Fossil do great at including a lot of like either customizable or at least a wide variety of watch faces. And I want to say over half of those disappeared whenever they installed the Wear OS 3 update, leaving them with just like the basics and then, oh, guess you can go download Facer if you want. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm happy that they have access to the Wear OS 3 apps again because definitely they had been losing functionality piece by piece on Wear OS 2 as apps updated to Wear OS 3. But at the same time, I really wish that the exclusivity window for Google Assistant could end already because this whole, oh, you're upgrading to Wear OS 3 and you're losing Google Assistant because reasons. That needs to end. It was tolerable in 2021 with the Galaxy Watch 4. It was tolerable in Galaxy S uh, in 2022 with the Watch 5 and the Pixel Watch finally debuting. 2023, I want to see that window end and I want to see Assistant on everything again. I would like that, but we all know that if there aren't native hooks to Assistant, it doesn't always work great. So even on the Galaxy Watch 5, it doesn't always work perfectly. But it's better than nothing, which is what they basically have right now. No, for sure. But it's still the only watch that Google Assistant works consistently well on, not surprisingly, is the Pixel Watch. Apart from the kinks when it first came out, Assistant works pretty damn well on the Watch 5 for me. Granted, most of the time I'm telling it to do something in either Google Home or my music. Yeah, I mean, look, this is just another nail in the coffin for Wear OS on fossil devices. And, and it's just weird. Even a year ago, maybe two years ago, the ecosystem, the Wear OS ecosystem was so flipped, it was all but dominated by Fossil. And now it feels like Fossil is just letting it die by not asserting itself or Google and Samsung playing hardball. And it's just weird. It's just a weird scenario to be in. I don't know about you though. I'm excited to play with the, the Fossil Gen 6 wellness, wellness edition? edition hybrid, the one that was I... announced at CES. I like those fossil hybrids. I think they're kind of cool. I think it's interesting. I also wonder how much of it is going to be limited by the fact that it's a hybrid. And I think they're kind of, uh, I'm trying to remember, is the wellness edition Wear OS as well? Or did they scale no, no, back? No. Oh yeah, no, yeah. the wellness edition is, but this is the hybrid. So this is, the hybrid's not Wear OS. Ooh. Sorry, I just want a hybrid watch that you still have like the hands on top of everything else, but give me like actual proper app integration and Google integration. I mean, yeah, fair. But the hybrids are, I think, just neat. They're e-ink. They last a long time. They look like normal watches. I'm just kind of a sucker for those kinds of products. So, Okay, Will, we have a bunch of S23 leaks to go through. Let's do this as a lightning round. Uh, we know basically everything about it now since we spoke last. Yeah. What's the latest? Uh, Samsung announced Unpacked this week. Uh, it doesn't feel like that was this week, it but was. it was. This week that will not end. <laughs> it's been such a long week. 
Yeah, they're doing their first in-person event in three years for this in San Francisco to announce uh, a mysterious new phone series that they refuse to say is the Galaxy S23, but it's the Galaxy S23. We know this because we can look at a calendar and also it just won't count. stop leaking. We oh, can, yeah, we, we can, can count. count. Yeah, we can add it. one to S22. You, have, you are not changing your naming scheme no. again. Now that you have synced it to the years, <laughs> we know what this shit is called. Yep. At least say it on the reservation page. Yeah. Oh, sign up. Reserve the next Galaxy phone. Yep, there you can put your email Gee, down. I wonder what it is. <laughs> grab a grab a fifty dollar discount if you want to buy a new Galaxy book with it. You no, can... not a discount. <laughs> sorry, like, sorry, I, I, sorry. I you're right. Into, no, no, I want to be very right. specific for this because this is something that I'll fools you go. people constantly. All right, but, go off. Yeah. Sorry. You should go ahead and reserve an S23 so that way you get $50, uh, because it's $50 in instant Samsung credit. You cannot use that credit towards the phone. So that's $50 you're going to spend on either a wireless charging pad, given how many chargers Samsung is sold out of at this point. I'm hoping that they're announcing new chargers alongside the phone. But you can use it on a new case. You can use it on a new charger. You can use it on an accessory. You can put it towards earbuds or, uh, or even towards a watch if you are finally getting in on the Galaxy Watch 5. But you cannot use that on the phone. And people think that you can, and then they get upset when it's not applied in their cart. Yeah, because they want you to buy a $70 case with your $50 credit. Well, and here's the thing. They did that during the Galaxy Z Flip 4 and Fold 4 too, and then threw the case in anyway. To which I was like, okay, I'll take that strap case, and then I can take that 50 bucks and go buy better straps. Which we actually have better... Uh, last year during the S22's launch, they made a point about it being... The cases being more customizable, them having more licensing agreements so that way they could actually like make cases fun. And then they mostly did that in Korea and not the US. Over the last two months, we've actually gotten good licensed cases and case inserts and cover straps and whatnot for these cases. I'm actually excited to see whether or not we get a decent turnout for those with the Galaxy S23 because it's just been drip, drip, drip all year last year. But I'm done. Sorry. No, I you you can handle that stuff better than I can. I know I know I knew you had a take, and you will be able to read my take soon. <laughs> yes, I, I know you're writing it as, as well. Um, yeah, uh, fifty dollars Samsung credit. Um, I can say I'm going to the event, right? That's not a secret I think or whatever. You can, yeah, you can say that. Yeah, I'll I'll be there. I'll be there February first in in San Francisco to see whatever mysterious phone samsung's gonna announce that may or may not be the s23 um yeah it's coming in um four colors that we've seen like genuinely like seven leaks i was writing an article this morning uh about leaks of the s23 ultra and then steven sent me i think three different additional leaks on top of it that had to fit into the article and so it became a leak for all of them it's a lot. Um, it's coming in. Jeez, what are the actual color names? Phantom Black, Cotton Flower, which is cream colored. I, I know beige was the leak. Uh, I I would say I this is a cream. I think those are case color names because the names for most of the are leaks they? have been pink, beige, green, and Phantom Black. Oh, yeah, but they always come with cute names though. Like like they're they're not going to call it. They didn't last year for the S twenty two series. Are you a hundred percent sure? They all like because I'm like pretty sure the Z series came with cute. Oh, names. the Z series had cute names. I think these will be cute names. I think they're going to use these these cute names for them because they also fit. Like beige doesn't fit this phone. It's cream colored. Cotton flower. I can see. I can see that. I can't see beige or, or or cream. Well, I can see cream, but you know what I mean. 
Uh, Ara and I argued on Twitter about whether this green is good. I say it is. She says it isn't, um, but it is. Yeah, I don't you know. You keep telling yourself that, bro. Mm-hmm. I will, and hopefully, uh, you know, yeah, that that's that's my favorite of the four. I will say the green is not my least favorite. My least favorite is that beige. It's not beige. <laughs> it's cream. It's... Beige is like skin, like not skin tone, but like like my skin I just skin don't tone. like light-colored phones because they end up showing everything so much easier. Yeah. Well, I I don't disagree with you, but I, I don't. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I bought one of the like rare, quote, rare red Galaxy S22 Ultras yeah. last year. And every time I take it out of a case, I'm surprised anew that it's red because I so rarely see the color of the phone. <laughs> and I don't use the S Pen, which is also red very right. often. So, yeah, color on your phone matters very little. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if these leaked colors are just one of like many that the company releases. Absolutely. And they may actually expand the bespoke edition I hope so. program to the S series this year, which would be neat. Yeah, I, I no inside a knowledge there other than to say, like, I think I think it might be a good idea. Samsung, hint, hint. <laughs> Yeah, no, agreed. I don't. It's not, it hasn't been in any of the leaks or anything. It just I think that they should. <laughs> like, I think it would be a good idea for them to make custom S twenty three choices more available. And I I think more colors is better always, even if I like the screen. But yeah, they're Samsung phones. They look almost identical to last year's, minus the the changed camera bump on the smaller two devices. I hate it so much. It's good. Cases are either going to be, you will never see the color of this phone because they are going to do precision cutouts around the cameras, or you're going to just have these big gaps that are dust magnets between all your cameras. Personally, I think it's a bad... I mean, I know why they did it. I know it's it's to tie the ultra design... or. Closer to the twenty S twenty three plus and and regular, but the camera bump or the whatever you want to call it, the like module of it, uh, from like the S twenty and S twenty one, like that was like kind of an iconic look, like it was very recognizable in a way that I think it's a bad idea to ditch. But I don't know, whatever it it is, what it is. Well, also I do believe part of this was that since it was one single like module housing all the cameras if you hit the camera module wrong it broke all three cameras and this way each one's individual so ideally you could break one but not the others yeah that could be but at the same time given the positioning of the camera modules and how little they stick out from the phone with the s23 with the s22 ultra and i'm guessing with the s23 ultra because the renders don't show any like big portholes or anything i don't know how much of an excuse that is in order to do something that just looks a little too plain. It looks very plain. And not entirely thought out. Well, and the other issue is that... It looks that unfinished. We've seen the A14 at CES, and then we've seen leaks of the A54. So we've seen the two big A-series entries for 2023. And they kind of have the same design of, like, we're going to do, like, the single cameras lined up, like, like, on the S23 leaks. And so, like, they're all... Samsung is like unifying its design language for all these phones from the S series to the even like the foldables kind of or at least the the Z Fold 4 kind of does this. But like they're clearly trying to like make these like single no bump, but they're raised camera lenses like it's design language. But when you're doing it on all of them, it just makes them all look really generic. Well, but the fold at least still had a little bit of a bump around them. 
the fold at le- the yeah. fold four at least still had a little bit of a module, and that one was tolerable because yeah, you're, it you're was right. a little bit you're raised. Right. I'm looking and at it now. It looked more polished. I completely and this forgot. Just yeah, doesn't the way they did it on the fold four is how I wish they had done it for the S twenty three series. Well, the fold five will look like this. I guarantee. I'm I'm calling. Oh it now. yeah, I'm calling my shot now. But um, if you're if you're if you're gonna make the S series and the A series look like this, I'm pretty sure you're gonna make the Z series look like this too. Although for the flip five, we could maybe be wrong. I'd love to be wrong, and the flip five to you know still have it'll have to have its own look just based on the design of that cover screen. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's that's the S twenty three. I didn't mean to rant about it for ten minutes or however long this has been. But yeah, we'll see it in less than three weeks. So I'll be honest. I'm 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 less excited about this phone than I've ever been about any S series phone ever. Basically. I've bought every single Pro or Ultra S series phone since like 2013, and I think this will be the first year I don't. Well, you you just said you have an S22 Ultra. Why? Why? What because is I here? always got the latest and greatest. Wait, I but what's to here to make you upgrade? spend a thousand dollars? Yeah, nothing. Zero. I mean, that was it, right? I always did the same with the foldables. I've upgraded every year since that. I don't see uh, the 200 megapixel camera like. Okay, but sure. big numbers it's... don't mean great photos. We have seen exactly. that time and time again. Well, it's the... not how big the megapixels are; it's how well you can process them. The S twenty two Ultra takes like pretty good photos too. Again, there's not a reason for anyone sensible to spend a thousand dollars here. I think it's interesting that it looks like along with the iPhone, f- so the iPhone fourteen Pro series has been a letdown in some respects because the Dynamic Island didn't do as much as apple purported it would do sure didn't (laughs) yeah there was there's been some funkiness with the camera and the performance Mm -hmm. of the a16 wasn't improved over previous generations like i think apple tried to do a lot of things with the iphone 14 pro that didn't work really and it, it will be interesting to see whether samsung does stuff with the hardware that we don't know about or if it's just very much Here's just the S22 Ultra with minor tweaks. And if we catch you in an upgrade cycle, great. If not, like go, f- you know, whatever, buy the foldable in, in August. Like it does seem like they're there. They don't care which Samsung phone you buy as long as you buy a Samsung well, phone. The trading values we've seen over the last year certainly bear that out. Because if you tried to trade in a phone that was more than one year old, you didn't get anything for it compared to if you went to a carrier. Like consistently, the best deal for the Galaxy S22, the Galaxy Z Fold 4, the Z Flip 4, consistently the best deal was just going to your carrier, turning in your current phone, so long as it was less than four years old, and just walking out with a new phone. Or maybe paying like 100 or 200 bucks for the Ultra, probably paying 600 bucks for the Fold 4. And through Black Friday, through all of the deals that Samsung has done over the last six months, I'm not confident that we're actually going to see very much of an incentive to upgrade to the S23, which is a shame because the S22 was not a strong like upgrade push. So a lot of people have S21s that they're going to be wanting to trade in. It's been two years or it's been three years since the S20. It's time. And I think a lot of those people are going to end up disappointed, including me, because I have an S20 that I wanted to trade in this year. I know at least three people holding on to Note 10s. and. If Samsung had been smart, they would have just added back a micro SD card slot to the Ultra. And I think all of them would upgrade. Yep. 
I don't understand Absolutely. why they're holding out on like I genuinely know people who won't do it because they're like even like the headphone jack I think they could maybe live without but they're like well I like having an SD card slot and like even if I'm like yeah but like you probably don't need it they're like yeah but I want it and that's that's just where the conversation ends and like and if we've they, heard rumors that the series will actually start at 256 yeah or at least the S23 plus and S23 Ultra yeah. won't have 128 gig Excuse, and you're it right. It should have been across the board. I hate that the small one they're starting at 128 for. It's going to be 800. dollars But that, I mean, like nobody. It's it's an, it's more than enough. It's more than enough. It like, is. People well, with who who want an SD card slot want it because they just want to max it out. They just want a terabyte for shits and giggles. Like I don't see people using up that much of their storage. And if you do. What are you putting on it? I agree. I'm just telling you what I've like heard from people I know in my like in real life who are like, yeah, no, I just I want my phone with an SD card slot and and preferably a headphone jack. And and like those options are just growing slimmer and slimmer by the Mm -hmm. month. Yeah, I mean, look, Samsung has acknowledged that there are a lot of note users that they want to upgrade to the ultra. You know, that's just a thing that they want to do this year. So putting back the SD slot might actually get people to switch. I think upgrade. it would. I, but they won't. They, but they won't didn't do, it. do it. And we don't and we know they didn't do it because the it's just the renders have leaked in such detail that we're like, yeah, there are no slots here. No, Where I mean that's never seeing? coming back. There are I mean look, I'm sure like Apple even has made concessions around the MacBook Pro and stuff, but SD card slots are never coming back to phones. Like I think that's just that train has long long past so i agree i and i i don't even find them i don't find them particularly useful unless you're really trying to download your entire spotify library or i don't know you don't need them to download your entire like even if you have maxed out your spotify library you would not fill up a 512 but also games and apps and photos and etc like if you if you are like the person who's like i want my entire life on this phone like i i guess i get it but like that's it. Like that's the only person I see. I like, struggle are you to feel like your entire Plex library on this thing or something. I do, like, I, do, I can't speak for these are just friends I know. These are just people, oh, I know. but I can't I speak for them I, I, completely. I know people but, like that. And yeah, I'm just like it's. It's people it's exist. Inferior speeds. It's data that could corrupt and break at any time inside of your phone. Those people actually certainly listen to this show. So if you not not people I know, but if you are this person, if we are talking about you right now, uh. Daniel, what's the email for the podcast? Will at androidpolice.com. Yeah. I want to, I just want to hear from these people. I, not, not in like a judgy way. Like I, I get it, but just let us know what you're using the storage for. Like I'm, I'm curious. And let me know what micro SD cards y'all are using that are not breaking after years and years inside of your phone. Cause usually mine tend to crap out at about four to five years. And also please tell me what you think of, uh, Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge um, because that is like my favorite game (laughs) right now. It's so good. Can I say I um, after owning it for several months on Steam and playing it off and on the mobile port of Vampire Survivors has been my addiction over the last like month since it came out. Yeah, beat the the final boss. Uh, That game is so good. Um, What a good mobile port. Truly, truly incredible. Although I prefer it on the Steam Deck because like actually having controls. It, it is better with physical controls, but it, after a while, I got pretty used to, to being able to be fine with, with, uh, with a virtual joy pad. So, yeah, oh, that's good. All right. Let's not get too distracted. Sorry. I know we can, we can fall down these rabbit holes. <laughs> All right. Very, very quickly. 
the return of the fan edition will it's not really a return no I, it hasn't been gone very long absolutely no offense all, to rajesh who, who published this article on the site it didn't die just, it just decided revive to is not the right word it's been a year since the s21 fe came out we didn't get an s22 fe i think that's fine based on the availability of the s22 series on sale and then the upcoming s20 like the issue is that samsung needs to figure out what the fan edition is even supposed to be and where it should fall on their calendar because if you dip too far in price, you end up hitting the A series. If you go too far up in price, you hit the S series. If it falls in the wrong spot, it, it should come out like roughly when the Pixel A series comes out, probably, and it should probably be cheaper. But then you have to deal with the A series. Like, I kind of don't understand the fan edition at all. I'm happy for it to come back, I guess, but I just I don't know who it's for. When you said Samsung has consistently had the S22 series on sale... They have for the Ultra, they kind of have for the Plus. The regular S22 did not see that much in the way of discounts over the last year. Yeah, no one like wants the S22 that would be. What? <laughs> I said no one wants that one, except for you. <laughs> A, shush. B, that's the one that would be. That's the price point that the FE would be trying to like hit somewhere between $600 and $700. And. I was like, oh, if you're not going to have the fan edition, just put the S22 on sale at that price every now and again. And it just hasn't happened. Even at Black Friday, we were lucky if we got $100 off on the S22 regular. And sure, most but of the time, what it was the a- price on the Plus? Because that's the size it's coming the plus got a The Plus, I think, got either 100 or 150 off. Right, and that's, okay, that's guys, the size. This, this, is, this is not good radio. I, I just want to say, sorry. like talking <laughs> about pricing of old phones... People just want to know why this the fan edition seems to live in this nebulous in-between state of existing and not existing, of being good value, of not being good value. I think the reason it might, quote, revive in 2023 is because of pressure, inflationary pressure on pricing. There's a good chance that the S23 series will be slightly more expensive or not see the kinds of discounts that the S22 series saw. And having that 599 549 price point for a close to flagship, especially if they, as rumors suggest, they don't have an A70X uh, this year, right? They well, I don't A70. think that the 70X never came to the US anyway. No, yeah, it didn't. For us, it was but the 50. It, yeah. And I think right, that if they- We're not the only if, market no, that matters. No, I, I know. No, but I, I, I think that rather than doing a fan edition, I would like for them to just put a little bit more polish on the A54 It'll be this year. If they had just put a little bit more polish onto that and priced it the same as they priced uh, as Google priced the Pixel 6a, I think it would have worked. Well, even go further. You can put the A54 at 500, maybe 550, and it would have worked well and it would have sold well. The, Al- the Galaxy A53 was one of the best-selling phones of the year. You know you can sell that in numbers. I also want to say this. Like, you say, you know, if they can bring back the fan edition at 599, 599, 549, that's not, like... The S21 FE started at $700. That's yeah, my point. That's FE not cheap at all. The was not an FE all. last year. Like, I don't... That's true. If, That's if, true. It's, if we're pricing the, the fan edition, and as you say, like, if, if, if part of the concern is inflation, if we're pricing the fan edition $700, what are we doing with this phone? And, and that's where I'm at, and that's why I don't think a lot of tears were shed about an S22 FE not happening, and unless Samsung like really reinvents its product lineup, which they might be, because as you said, there's no A70X this year. I don't know what it's what it's doing. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. All right, let's quickly move on. There was a hot take. It was a tweet, as many hot takes are. 
<laughs> some people took issue with it. Will, what was the tweet? And uh, what issue do you have with the tweet? <laughs> Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD, uh, popular YouTuber. who much You popular. may have heard of him. Yeah, you might have heard of him. Tweeted yesterday as we're recording this uh, on Thursday. Hot takes, no more budget phones, just longer software support for flagships. Uh, and he got uh, quite a bit of heat for this. Basically, people saying that it was an out-of-touch take. Personally, <laughs> my issue is not with the idea that people can or can't afford flagship phones and what the price of a phone should be, which seemed to be the majority of the complaints in the replies. It's not a hot take. It's a cold take. The software support on Android flagships in particular is like more or less a solved issue. I would like to see Google do better than three upgrades on Pixels. I'm hoping that they surprise us and keep the Pixel 6 and beyond going longer considering they're running Tensor chips. But like Samsung phones are are four upgrades in five years of security patches. Google, like I said, three years of upgrades, but five years of security patches, starting with the Pixel 6. OnePlus is moving from three upgrades, four years of support to four upgrades, five years of support, probably with the OnePlus 11. They have not specified what phone starts that policy, but it is probably the OnePlus 11. Really, the only company that people like, at least in the U.S., and, and I know there are other countries, but I'm, I'm coming at this from a U.S. perspective, that, that other people buy phones from is Motorola. And honestly, I personally think they're a lost cause in this space. And they also don't really make a lot of flagship phones. So I don't even know if they fall into this tweet. So like, you know, and, and then there's Apple and Apple is not, it doesn't have an issue with this either. So I just think that like, we're already there. I don't understand why we have to say no budget phones. Like even budget, like Samsung's really good at supporting the A series. Part of it for me is for like longer support life, there comes a point where feature updates don't really help the phone. Cause like the longer you get feature updates, the more often you get those like big Android system updates, the slower your phone gets, the more it starts to like break down. I don't want them to be like, oh, five years of system updates for everything. Three to four years of feature upgrades, and then I want us to do like six or seven of security patches. Because with the Play Store, that is feasible these days. And that would allow for a better experience on older Android phones. And ideally, hopefully, we can get to a point where the monthly security updates are something that manufacturers don't even have to do terribly much for between Project Mainline and Google Play services. I'm fine with more than five years. I just think that that saying five years is too short is silly. It's half a decade of someone holding yeah. onto a device and still getting security patches. Like, even if they're only every three months. I want to know how many times you had to replace the battery in that phone if you got it to the exactly. last five years. Exactly. That's like most people after five years will be like, yeah, you know what? I guess it's time for an update. They might not even know they're not getting updates anymore. They might just be like, wow, this thing dies after three hours. I guess it's time for me to get a new one. I just think that we're already kind of where he says we need to be and it has nothing to do with budget phones. So that was my take. I don't know, Daniel, if you have anything to add, if you if you want to disagree. No, for once, I agree with you. <laughs> do we disagree think... that often? I guess I haven't noticed. Yes. <laughs> no. I will say um, I do like I get that the no budget phones, but feature phones that last longer. The thing about that is we've gotten to the point where battery replacements are relatively inexpensive, but you still do have to go to a store. If we could get back to the point where we keep the waterproofing relatively intact, but find a way to make it easier for shops or for people who are skilled enough to replace the battery themselves, just make that easier. That would go a long way in terms of like sustainability and helping people keep phones longer. 
Because right now it's, oh, my battery dies after three hours, I'll buy a new phone instead of, oh, my battery dies after three hours, I'll go replace the battery. I thought you were about to say, if we can get to a point where we keep the waterproofing intact, but we bring back user replaceable batteries, and it's going to be like, no, if they're that's, not that's, bringing back micro SD cards, they're not bringing back user oh, no, replaceable no, no. We're, batteries. We're not bringing back uh, user replaceable batteries or hot swappable right, batteries, I right. guess. Uh, that's never coming back. I just want that to be something that is even easier for repair shops to do and possibly easier for users to undertake themselves if they're willing to put in the effort. Yeah, I'm on board. Right to repair. Right to repair. It's going to happen. Okay, last but not least, we're going to talk a little bit about the Nothing Phone 1 coming to the US, sort of. Sort of. So this is, this is a weird situation, and it speaks to a lot of the themes that we were talking about, carrier control, 5G, unpopular or new entrants coming into the entrenched US phone market, trying to make a dent. OnePlus is a great example. What is going on with this, Ara? Because this is a really interesting situation. A lot of people are upset by this, but I don't think that they're quite taking into account the whole context of how difficult it is to actually bring a phone to the US. Yeah. So for the nothing phone, you're basically paying to participate in a beta for a phone that you actually cannot use as a daily driver phone. This phone is not certified by the FCC. This phone will not work on your carrier. You're spending that amount of money for a phone that is clearly in beta and you will be like, hopefully when you buy these things, you actually give your feedback and hopefully the company actually listens to you. But you're going to be paying for a phone that is a toy because you cannot rely on it as a daily driver phone. Sony announced a Walkman this week. This is a less competent version of that. You can use it as a media player. You can use it as an e-reader. You can use it as a camera. You can't use it as a phone. And paying phone levels for that experience just doesn't make sense. To add on to this, or I'm sorry if you, I was, I was finding this on the FAQ page. I'm sorry if you said this. There is no warranty on this. Oh, I thought that went without saying. <laughs> but just to be clear, there is a 14-day return policy. After that, that's it. There's no after-sales service after 14 days. So if your phone breaks after 20, like, and, and I don't even mean like you drop it. Like if something goes wrong with it, that's it. Like it's done. So $300, I wouldn't suggest anyone do it, but. I was about to say, this is for Carl Pay fanboys and literally no one else. Yeah. I don't care how pretty the light glyph is. It's not worth this. Wait till they actually will like bring a phone to the US and give us proper software for it. Don't buy this just so you can say you have a nothing phone. Right. But okay, so here's the thing. This is a very niche phone. And they, and, and there are a lot of very hardcore enthusiasts, a lot of like dozens of us um, <laughs> who are imploring Carl to bring this phone to the US because it's only officially available in Europe. Carl wants to do right by these folks, right? Like he's a passionate CEO and co-founder. He wants to give the people what they want. It's good publicity, but unfortunately, to bring a phone to the U.S. requires a lot of regulatory and regulatory approval through the FCC, but also it's very expensive, right? To be certified yeah. at a carrier costs millions of dollars that nothing doesn't have. It's a venture-backed startup for all intents and purposes, and it's not going to go through that. So this is unfortunately all it can do. It can provide the very bare bones minimum of support yeah. and basically all of these caveats 
in order to allow people in the U.S. to buy it without it going through the FCC. And I understand why some people are upset by this, but what else is nothing supposed to do? I mean, Carl would do it. He ran OnePlus for years, right? He was there when the OnePlus 7 came to T-Mobile, or was it the 8? I forget. He was there when Nord launched as like the OnePlus Nord and 10 5G. He was there and knew what was going to happen when he tried to bring the nothing phone to the US. So he's just in a tough spot. He is, but I, and again, this dates back to what the announcement from today or from yesterday. If you know you can't make a phone with all of this, then make that Walkman, make the version that is just an entertainment device and sell that in the US because you will not have to go through nearly as much with the FCC and you won't have to get carrier support. But that gets you a device that gets you a foothold into the market and lets people know what you can do with this. If you sold one of those with just like the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, had the light glyph on the back and put it at a reasonable price, it would be huge for people who do like a bunch of streaming and whatnot and want that big ass light on the back of their phone. Nobody should buy this. Nobody like, should buy nobody this. Nobody should buy it. I, I, if it but doesn't again, have a warranty, it's not worth buying, period. I am, I am, I'm just saying that this is not nothing's fault. Right. It sucks. It's a lose-lose situation for everybody in the U.S. who wants to try this phone. But ultimately, buying unlocked and FCC-certified phones in the U.S. is, there are, that's why you can't have Oppo phones that run properly. You can't have Vivo. You can't have Xiaomi, right? All of these phones that arguably are really pushing the envelope of technology that are available in Europe and Asia that will never come to the U.S., that's why Samsung has such a foothold, especially in the foldables market, because there's really no company challenging them. I've had the Find N2 for a couple of weeks. Aside from the software, which is literal garbage, it's a <laughs> fine piece of hardware that I would really, I, I think would really benefit from having a, a global build. And I think if OnePlus ever decides to release a foldable in the US, it's actually going to force Samsung's hand a little bit. Not to mention the Pixel Fold, but we'll see if that ever happens. <laughs> so that's just my thinking, right? Like, don't buy it, but this isn't Carl's fault. I think you're Carl. right, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not blaming him. He's making the best of a bad situation, and the company has to make money somehow. This is how you do it. It's just one of those things of it's, it sucks for everybody involved, but it especially sucks for people who actually wanted to buy the product. Exactly. But I do, getting back to the competition... I know this is something that would only happen with a lot of lobbying, that having to overcome a lot of lobbying and a lot of work with Congress, who traditionally doesn't understand technology all that well. I do wish that we could get legislation to have like either some sort of a fund or some sort of incentive for more companies to bring phones to the U.S. to increase that competition. Because, yeah, Samsung isn't incentivizing its phones as hard anymore because it doesn't have to. It controls a third of the American market, and it knows that there are so many people that are like, they don't buy an Android, they buy a Galaxy. Well, I mean, the issue there is that every single brand that Daniel just said was is a Chinese brand, and there's a stigma there, basically, is, is that they're yeah. going to... The, the U.S. government is not going to be like, Huawei, stay away, but we want to like fund everyone else coming over. But like, it's for not a company gonna... like nothing, and for companies that are like based out of India, sure. there are things that sure. can be done to help increase mobile competition within the United States. But yeah, so long as carrier certification remains the hurdle that it is, America's phone market is just going to be just 
cut off at the knees. That's just how it works. I mean, we're already there. I mean, we're yeah. like, like, there's a reason that I said in my in my rant about MKBHD's tweet is that like I named the four companies that matter in the U.S. And to be honest, like one plus even there i can make an argument that like they don't matter that much like they're not that big enough market share t-mobile yeah. sells some nord phones and that's about it it's really just samsung google and, and motorola at this point and it sucks it just sucks as as a as a fan of, of android like it's the stagnation is real and like we talked about it you know everything kind of tied together in this episode we talked about it with the s23 like how boring of an update it is after i would argue a year of boring updates in 2022 like it it's a bummer yeah all right. Well, that's our show. Let us know what you think. Podcast at androidpolice.com. We love hearing from you. You can find Will at Will underscore Saddleberg. Ara at Ara Wagco. You can find me at Journey Dan. You can find Jules at Point Jules and all of us at Android Police. It's going to be a pretty busy next few weeks, but we'll do our best to but stick we'll to try. our weekly uh, schedule. Will, you will be in San Francisco for Unpacked. We'll have all of the coverage there at the end of the month, which will be mm -hmm. fun. Can't believe that Unpacked is back in person. That was the last trip I took in 2020 before the pandemic. So I'm really excited. Very, very psyched yeah. that you're going. I'm um, very, very jealous that y'all are going. And then February, we'll have lots of other announcements, including MWC at the end of the month. So I, I was going to say, be... I got my my press uh, credentials today. Amazing. So we're good Amazing. to go. Yeah, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> all right. So we will be back next week with another episode. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.